This is Adam Gorney with the Respect My Decision podcast. This week's guests are Mark and Kim Holinsky of Holinsky's Hope and uh, the parents of many football players, including uh, Tyler Holinsky, um, now going around the country and speaking um, about everything that has been going on and, and all of their experiences. And uh, it's incredibly courageous, I, I, I want to say first. Um, why did you guys feel like this was something that you needed to do and, and, and honestly wanted to do? Well, you know, uh, we have to pick up in the middle of the story a little bit. When we went to campus um, after Tyler passed, so it'd be the next morning, um, there was a lot of stuff we had to do. You have to meet with the coroner. You have to meet with the teams. You had to clean out his locker. There's a lot of, you know, just ugly stuff that you just, you got to do. And one of the things I had asked, um, Coach Leach flew back, but he was, you know, everybody was gone recruiting, basically, the, the staff. And there was a new guy, Coach Huff, that was uh, I had never met. And he's the guy that called us and ended up telling us. Um, but when we went up the next day, I had asked to talk to the um, football team. And so the football, the kids all met in the weight room up there at Washington State on campus. And I wasn't sure what I was going to say, but I had this thing in my mind. I was, I was apologizing really like, don't, don't hate Tyler for this. You know, he loved you guys. He wanted to be here. Something must've happened. We had no idea, right? At 24 hours later, yeah. um, we're not sure we're going to find out and we're going to get back to you and we're going to let you know. But so it was just this, I was trying to impress upon him not to, not to be angry with him for some reason. That, Adam, you can understand. They're all on one knee, right? Yeah. They're in a locker room that they've all struggled in and, and had success in and bonded in. And it was super emotional, of course. It's 24 hours later. But to me, you know, Kim and I have different sort of, we got into this together, but, you know, we have different sort of, not motivations, motivations are the same, but just thoughts and experiences. And, Talking about Tyler was is super hard. It's very emotional, obviously, and it still is five years later. Um, but I thought it was helpful to the kids. Um, and so from there, that and Ken, that was the day after, we hadn't thought of Holinsky's Hope or anything like that. And I'll let Kim sort of tell you how we started Holinsky's Hope. But the idea was I wanted to be in front of kids. If, if this could happen to Tyler, we knew very early if this could happen to Tyler, you remember Tyler. I mean, he was the goofy, funny, a lot of kids sweet. like that. Sweet Super sweet. Yeah. If he can go without telling anybody, without any indicators um, that we understood at the time, then this could happen to anybody. And we've got to tell people, you know, we've got to somehow do this. It wasn't organized, wasn't thoughtful. It was just emotional. Right. And so from there, really, Kim and Kelly came up with Holinsky's right. Hope, the idea the name, sorry. And then we, we sort of gelled on what we wanted to try to accomplish. So, so you know, you, well, now that, that you're a dad, you can understand that losing a child is the worst thing that could ever happen to a parent. And I tell people all the time, we sort of had three choices and Tyler's jerseys was number three. And, and so that number is a big part of, it's, you know, our mission really is three part two, but Back then, just, you know, days after um, he left us, Kelly had this quote that was on um, his like Twitter wallpaper. And, you know, it's something that really Kelly and I and the rest of our family and our Helensky's Hope team sort of live by. 
it's a Banksy quote, and it says they they say you die twice, once when you take your last breath, and a bit later on, the last time when someone says your name. And we decided that we we don't want Tata to die twice. So that's why we formed Helensky's Hope is to raise awareness, which I think the country together and all these other, other organizations that focus on mental health are, are doing a very good job at just raising that awareness. Beating down the stigma is important. Athletes, I, I many of them view reaching out for help, um, telling people that they are struggling with their mental wellness is a weakness. It's not. It's a strength. It shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, uh, described as a hero or courageous if you reach out for help. Think about it, right, Adam? If you, you know, have an ACL tear, you're going to go to your ortho with Tommy John surgery. You're right there. You're not embarrassed to reach out for help if you have physical needs. You shouldn't be embarrassed to reach out for help, you know, if your mental health is struggling. And and so that's what we try to do um, for our student athletes is really just beat down that stigma and clear the path for them to get to the mental health experts. We're not them, but to clear that path by sharing Tatter's story so that they'll reach out to a counselor, a teammate, a parent and get the help they need. What's so shocking about this, and it's always a shocking thing, but like you said, Tyler was that goof, goofy kid. And, and some of the quotes that you guys have said over the years after this have really, you know, struck me that the face of suicide and mental illness to this person was unknown. Did Tyler know where to go to get help? Yeah. Was he ashamed to do it? Maybe. Was he embarrassed of what everyone would think and, and afraid of losing his job possibly? And I think those things are, are what parents and kids need to know to be a, not a, I guess aware of is some, some kids are struggling with this and are happy on the outside. Would you say that's fair? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, can, can you speak to that and, and kind of your experience of that and, and, and how that, how that was? So, uh, we do this thing, we do a what we call a Tyler talk. That's what we're here in Alabama doing this week. It's about an hour long presentation. There's, um, there's a couple of videos. We, we grabbed a couple screen grabs from interviews that he did in at Washington state after game. So, a big game they won, a big game they lost, and then the final game, the bowl game. And you can appreciate this, that I don't get any new pictures of Tyler. I don't get, I don't have new video and stuff. So you end up watching the same things over and over um, in some downtime or when you're really frustrated or whatever. And um, as I was doing that, th there's a couple of things, just the interviews themselves. If you looked at them, um, they were as normal as, as, as every day, right? So we win a close game in triple overtime. Leach puts Tyler in and says, yeah, good luck, whatever you can do. Yeah. And in the interview afterwards, and he's happy and fun and Jamal's there and he's talking about his line and his coaches. And we love that about our student athletes. And Tyler was one of the best. Ryan, Ryan's awesome at it. Hey, it wasn't me. It was them. Right. Yeah. And then we go, we jump to the second one and we lose at Arizona. We go to yeah. players on, on the road, same sort of situation as Boise State. We're down by 21 before half. Kick, they throw Tyler back in, and it looks like we're going to do the same thing. He throws Adam, he threw for 504 yards, four touchdowns in the yeah. second half. Yeah. Right. So, so he gets out of that, goes to the press room and does his interview. And it's, it's exactly what we love about our athletes. We love about the guys that you cover every year. It's when they get up there and they take responsibility for what they think they, they could have done better. And they 
they cover for everybody else, right? The third one, after he lost, after they lost the bowl game, his answers were not just short. They, Tyler loved to talk. If you asked him a question, until you ask the second question, he'll keep answering. He's just like us, right? He just talks and talks. And, and most of the time, it's it's important to him, at least, right? So we noticed that, or I noticed that. And then as you sort of line all three of them up and play them together and play them again and again, he's losing weight between those months. His eyes are black. He's His, his face is sallow. I would even tell you, Adam, and it scares us to death now, we've looked at pictures, just ran, you know, selfies with me and Kim at Disneyland with Tyler, um, uh, of course, you know, doing athletics and stuff like that at school. And in the back, and Tyler in those pictures, I'd say half of the time, he's not smiling. He's not. It's more towards the end and it very subtle, very subtle changes so much so that we didn't really notice them. He did tell Kelly at the very end after the holiday bowl in San Diego, where they played Michigan state, we all took off to Cabo for um, a week. It was just the five of us and we're, you know, in a great hotel, we basically just hunkered down and we just all had some family time. And he told Kelly during that trip, he said, I'm sad, Kelly, but I don't know why I'm sad. I, I can't put my finger on anything. So he flies up to Washington State, uh, you know, and then just days later, he's gone. And we had a wonderful time together, but we had no idea that that he was struggling. And, you know, to, to your parents that are listening to this, um, Mark always says, if you, if you have a feeling, if you do see those subtle changes and you're not sure what to do, ask you, you can't put, um, the idea of suicide in someone's head. If you ask if they are considering hurting themselves, it's so much better to reach out to see if someone needs help to just say silence and, and worry. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, we always hear mental health and mental health awareness and mental well-being. But let we're putting that now into real context here. This mm-hmm. is a withdrawal, a, a different. Speak to me about what that means to you through your experience of exactly what you saw, and and all parents are going to you know be watching their kids. But you know, a down day is different than what we are experiencing here. Well, in Tyler's case, and we've heard this now mirrored from others that have lost their kids, other coaches that have lost athletes. Um, our guys are performers, you know, and, and they're exceptionally good at keeping secrets. And in, in Tyler's case, he had to be, I mean, Adam, you just work backwards. He had to be struggling. You know, he, the, the story's, you know, very um, emotional and complex in a lot of ways. And we don't, we, we give that story for others to consider the, the information, right? We don't tell you how to think. We're not asking you to do anything. There's no training involved. It's sharing the story and the feedback's been overwhelmingly positive. But with Tyler, after five years, we're still looking at all the videos and this stuff. We found that the interviews, as I sort of mentioned, the, the photos as we've, we've just talked about, but in Tyler's case, and, and Kelly sort of said this early on, he thinks Tyler realized that we were starting to suspect something. But mm-hmm. but to very to very much to your point, um, I'll give you one example that's very you can actionable, right? Tyler, whether I would come to Pullman or Kim or we'd come together or whatever it was, we'd, you know, Friday night we'd be in LA for Ryan's games, we'd fly up for Tyler. We'd always go to breakfast the next day. 
And Tyler, who was six foot four, 225 pounds, would eat 80 calories, 110 calories. You know, he'd have a little bite of eggs. And I remember like it was yesterday, just he and I, and I said, Tyler, you know, are you, um, you just not hungry? You, you know, you, you played a big game. It was late. And, and he got almost, his face almost cracked, you know, emotionally. And, and he goes, I don't, I don't know what's wrong, you know, what's wrong with me. I'm just not hungry. It's just stupid. Sorry. And he was mad at himself. Yeah. Now, um, I have to live with that. My advice would be, you don't leave that kid. Now this is months in, in, in maybe even, yeah, for sure months before he died. But you have, if that, if you suspect something's off, pretending it's not, or not, not driving to the bottom and finding it out with your kids. That's a scary proposition. I don't recommend it for anybody. And here's the problem. When you line up those things, oh, he's not eating very much. He slept in a little bit today. Those happen to be suicide idea, suicidal ideation warning signs, sleep too much, sleep too little, eat too much, too little. But it's really, to me, it's the, it's, if you know the person well, and this can be a teammate, it can be a lifelong friend, it can be family member, and you feel there's something off that you don't understand, you can't let it go. And you have to push, you have to be, you have to make a nuisance of yourself because we're speaking from loss. We know what the outcome was. When, if I, and I'm the first one to admit it, if Tyler hadn't died, it would be, hey, you got to tough it out. You, we got to push through this. We got to, it's ridiculous. You, you know, you don't tell a kid with cancer to, you know, pray harder. I mean, you do, don't get me wrong, pray harder and go to an oncologist, not one or the other. And for this, it's you, you've got to jump in and sort of take over in the sense that you've got to get to the bottom of it. And that could be a lifelong struggle, but you, it's much better than where we're sitting. What should coaches know about this? How closely should they monitor their players for mental health? And, and Mark and Kim, you, you guys know this, like the balance between fighting through adversity and, and challenging yourself and, and sort of toughing it out, that balance between that and seeing that someone is actually struggling and being there to help them, whether you're a teammate or the ability of a player to, to talk to someone, whether it's a coach or some sort of counselor, is, is that kind of what you want coaches to know and, and to kind of form into their, into their programs? Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say that with, with this first coaches need to take care of their mental health too. They sure. grind a lot. You know, they're at those, their offices at the football building, you know, before the players get there, they're there all day. The players go home, the coaches are still there. So it's very important that our coaches and their staff take care of their mental health too. It, it matters. Um, I don't always think it's the coach's responsibility to take care of the student athletes' mental health. They, they aren't qualified really, but they can have conversations with them. They can direct them to the mental health resources that are on campus. And We've been all over the country and there is, you know, there's the universities that have a staff of 10 mental health professionals and sports psychologists and grad students that are there. There's some that just have one mental health professional um, for the entire student athlete community. You know, that's tough. Um, but I, I do think it is on 
all of those at the university that um, have connections with the student athletes really to watch for changes, to just, you know, say um, words that, of encouragement, to, to be kind. Um, I do worry that we, we ask too much of our coaches as far as taking care of the mental health of our student athletes. Well, I, I, think, I think it's a great question. I think Kim's exactly right. Um, we worry about this with all educators, right? It's not their personal responsibility, but this is a life and death issue for some kids. And so how your, how your head coach expresses his or herself on this topic is critically, I think is critically important. It's not that they have to be the ones it's that we heard this at the beginning, Adam, when we went to do these talks after when we're done, we kind of hang out for a few minutes, kids will come up and early on, they knew Tyler or Ryan. And so they want to just visit and stuff, but most of them just want to tell their story about themselves or their brother or something. And we listen and it's, 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 uh, it's super important. Um, but what we heard from them early on was, Hey, Mr. Linsky, thanks. That was awesome. But Hey, if my head coach like lowers the voice, gets it, if my head coach doesn't get this, nothing's going to change. And so, so I think, I think it's important. What we try to tell everybody in the coaching ranks is we understand what it takes to have a collegiate athlete. We get it. it you have to be able to grind and to work and to outwork everybody else. And if those are your goals and dreams, we're on board with that. But if you, if you have a different disease, cancer, if you have an injury like ACL, you have to follow the respective recovery patterns. And if, and if mental health takes years to do that for an individual, then sports aren't for you in that case, potentially. So we embrace the entire thing. And I think that makes it easier for people to talk candidly. And the only thing we don't want is what we think happened to Tyler is he got so um, scared and uh, afraid of hurting people. He was always, a you know, he wanted everybody to like everybody and he loved calmness and and kindness and sweetness on the field. He was ridiculous. I mean, he was competitive as anybody hated losing to almost more than is acceptable. Right. I mean, and then we point that kind of stuff out. Um, but from a coaching perspective, their leadership, I'll, I'll give you one that Kim, Kim and I don't say committed suicide for this age group anymore. You don't commit cancer. You don't commit ALS. It's not your fault. You didn't choose to do this. You're not weak because you're, you, you can't wake up. And if you've, and I'm sure you have, if you've listened to any former pro football players or collegiate athletes that have clinical depression or anxiety, their description of that is, is beyond what we can understand if you don't suffer from it. So having the ability to just hold that thought and, and allow your kids to express themselves, it's not going to turn into, I need a mental health day every 15 minutes. That I think there was a lot of worry and concern from coaches early on that this was going to get out of hand and no one's going to work hard anymore. That's not it. This is an illness like anything else. And that's the education we're trying to impart as we go. And the last thing, guys, I think stigma is, is a word that's thrown around a lot. And like, you're right. I mean, I'm the backup quarterback. I'm struggling with this. I don't want to tell my coaches because if I do, then I'm third string. And that, that, that I think is something that needs to be addressed. And I think that you can speak to not only through Tyler's experience, but something maybe that you, you deal with when you're talking to players and coaches that says, Hey, again, this is something that needs to be addressed now. And, and kids should be encouraged, not discouraged from talking to people about it. Yeah, I think the pendulum actually is swinging the other way. We were just at a school um, on the West Coast 
and all their all their coaches were there and the staff was there too we had them stand up and and it was just so great to see all of them there supporting their 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 players right because what that tells them the ad and all the associate ad's were there too is that you know i see you i believe that mental health is truly a real thing and i i think that that works to just beat down that stigma but you're right you know, coming from maybe a 20 year old, a 21 year old, a 17 year old, and you're, he's a second string and he really wants to be the first string. But if he brings up his mental health, what what is the coach going to think? What are his teammates going to think? Is he going to be viewed not so much as a leader anymore? It's all sounds ridiculous, right? Because if you, it, Mark said it, if you are diagnosed with cancer, we would never look at you any differently, right? We'd support you, we'd rally around you, and we'd want to take care of you because we're in it together. The same philosophy has to apply to mental health. Yeah, I, I would just, I, I would love to add one last thing. We we don't have enough time for the whole story, but one one of the things we, one of the stories we share with the student athletes um, was about one of Tyler's teammates. He, it was also his roommate and, and his best friend. Tyler had a lot of best friends, you know. He'd meet a kid, you know, we got a transfer kid in center from uh, wherever. Oh yeah, Jake, he's my best friend. Um, but here's here's the quick version. That, that person, that teammate um, had lost their birth mother um, when they were young. And as they continue to go through high school and college, as they got onto campus, um, he went to see a counselor. And he shared this with me at Tyler's services. And, and it, it broke my heart because what he was trying, it was very tough for him to say, but he said, Tyler drove me to all of those. He said, you know, he, <clears throat> get choked up now. He sat in the parking lot and the way he describes it is he's 20 feet from help. You know, like he, if he just said, hey, maybe I should, I'm thinking this way. So the, what we, with that story, what we share with the kids is don't wait for a crisis. If you're if you're feeling unusually different and you're not sure why, no one's going to laugh at you. If you go see somebody and they go, you're doing OK. You know, you're you're all right. So much better than to avoid it and miss it. Get deeper into your depression or anxiety and feel like you're alone. That's the scary part. So it doesn't mean every time you wake up in a bad mood, you call a, a counselor but just listen to the professionals and don't feel like you have to have some tragedy like losing a parent or, you know, a best friend somehow before you ask for help. Yeah. That is Mark and Kim Holinsky. And that is the respect my decision podcast.